The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Today on Watching Your Wealth, there's a shift going on in the brokerage industry. What does it mean for you? This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Michael Wursthorn is a reporter for WSJ Wealth Advisor and a brokerage industry expert. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks. Mike, so you have written extensively about many of the shifts in the brokerage industry, and one of those shifts is that traditional brokers are now trying to act more like independent financial advisors. So briefly remind us, what's the difference between a broker and an independent financial advisor, and what's caused the shift? So so the clearest difference between a broker and an independent financial advisor is that a broker traditionally can accept commissions. They can still work with a client on a fee basis. But I guess the main thing there is that they can still take a commission, charge you for each transaction that you make, and uh, and keep it a very much a transactional relationship, whereas, whereas in an independent advisor, um, they are usually fee-only. They um, held to a fiduciary status on, on nearly all accounts. Um, there are some minor differences there. Obviously, you have some independent advisors that can also be brokers as well and uh, work with a broker-dealer and collect commissions. But you know, by and large, if you're seeing an independent advisor that's an RAA, so to speak, um, then um, they're probably somebody that's fee-only and uh, are working as a fiduciary for you. So why do some of the brokers want to be more like RIAs these days? So it, it's been a shift that's that's a long time in the making. Um, one of the biggest reasons why is because the brokerage industry has been looking for ways of annuitizing its revenue. Basically, they want to move away from commissions, which can be um, unpredictable, volatile, quarter to quarter. Um, if you have one, you know, just just bad quarter um, in the markets, you could see trading drop off, and then that means a, a revenue drop for those brokerage firms. So they're looking at fee-based revenue as as their savior um, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and that's because, you know, regardless of client activity, brokers will get paid their fees um, at the end of the quarter. So, so, so th- the shift has been happening uh, since before the financial crisis, but since the financial crisis really started to accelerate uh, because firms were trying to figure out ways that they can boost revenue, boost profits at a time when uh, most of the financial services sector was really in, in a crunch. And there's some regulatory pressures, too, happening as well, right? Yeah, and, and that's what's really accelerated it these past uh, six months is the Labor Department's fiduciary rule. Um, you saw firms like Merrill Lynch come out and say that they're no longer going to work with retirement savers on a commission basis, meaning that if you want to have an RAA with a Merrill Lynch broker, you're going to have to work with pay them a fee. And, uh, and, and it's good for the client because that ensures that the Merrill Lynch advisor is working in the best interest of the client. But if you're a client that doesn't invest too much and just does a handful of investments, buy and hold, a couple mutual funds, then you can end up paying more in the long run. Um, you're paying a fee every single quarter to your broker, whereas if you were just paying for that commission, you would have just paid for that charge, could have held the fund for 10 years and not paid a single dime after that until it, you sell. Interesting. So the cost could vary depending on how you conduct business as yourself in terms of you know what's important to you, if you want to trade a lot or not trade a lot. What, what are the other implications for consumers? So, so the, the other one, too, I mean, I, I think the biggest benefit here that, that you're seeing shift is that 
brokers have to justify the fee that they're collecting. So that means there's a higher level of care being applied to these accounts or should be a higher level of care applied to these accounts. And, and that's generally good for a lot of investors. I, I think a lot of investors, even the ones that um, you know, think they could do this on their own, um, they can benefit from advice from, from a professional in a lot of instances. And, and, and I, I think that's the real benefit here for, for a lot of them. For the, the, the clients that don't see that benefit and are looking at higher fees, you know, generally speaking, even the firms are telling them, telling these clients this, places like Merrill, that they should maybe move to a self-directed option. And uh, places like Merrill Lynch and others, uh, Wells Fargo being another, are launching their own self-directed options as a way to uh, to continue to have that business because otherwise those clients could go to TD Ameritrade, Schwab, or other places like that. Go elsewhere. And we should also note some of the very wealthy, they don't just work with one type of advisor. They work with several advisors. They might have a broker, an RIA. They might do some of their own self-directed. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a little bit of everything. So if you're listening out there, you may be one of those people indeed. Mike, we need to take a quick break. But when we come back, I would love to hear more of your advice for consumers. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Love tech? Dig gadgets? Then make tech news briefing from the Wall Street Journal a part of your day. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. Welcome back to Watching Your Wealth. We're speaking with the WSJ's Mike Wursthorn on the shifts in the brokerage industry and how that affects consumers. So, Mike, you said some brokers at the traditional brokerage firms, such as Merrill Lynch, may be acting more like independent financial advisors. So I'm wondering, what other advice do you have for consumers who are trying to differentiate between the two or are trying to pick an advisor to work with? So even firms like Merrill that are saying their advisors are fiduciaries, and, and when they're working in this capacity, um, I mean, they, they really are fiduciaries. But there are differences between a fiduciary at a firm like Merrill Lynch and a fiduciary that works independently of, of any sort of bigger bank or, or other firm. And, and, and that really comes down to some of the other products that they could be offering or just some of the specialized services like, like bill paying or family office types of services. It's probably one of the reasons why you see somebody that has a lot of money working with a Merrill Lynch broker having another client because – a Merrill Lynch broker just cannot fulfill all your needs. They have their own risk issues that they have to um, uh, deal with. So when you're looking at your advisor, you know, realize that if you're working with a Merrill Lynch broker as a fiduciary, you know, they can't – when you're talking about debt products like mortgages, they can't say, you know, Morgan Stanley's got a better deal for you or J.P. Morgan. They can only offer you what Bank of America, uh, their parent, is really offering. Whereas an independent advisor working on their own, they can pretty much go to any bank around and shop around for the best deal for you. So there are those little differences that while these firms have pushed away from proprietary products, banking products have become the new proprietary product for a lot of these fiduciaries at places like Merrill Lynch. And you got to be you know, careful that they're pushing those products for a reason. They, they get um, some sort of incentive to, to do so. 
Interesting. So ask a lot of questions, ask how your advisor is compensated, and just have a better understanding of where, how they're generating their fees and their revenues from you. Yes, yes. And and I can't stress enough, I, I think I've said it a few other times we've spoken, is always go to broker check and check oh, your point. advisor. I mean, uh, the, uh, FINRA, the, 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 the self-regulatory organization that oversees broker check, they actually did a revamp of of the uh, of the website just in the in the last several weeks, so it's a little easier to read for consumers, and and I think that um, you know any investor would be well served by just going there and, and and really you know getting a deep dive in their broker's history to make sure they're working with the best person they can. And I think that's brokercheck.org, right? I, I believe so. Sounds yes. Right. Yeah, but yeah. if you just throw it into Google, it, you'll find it. It comes right up first. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Thanks for joining us, Mike. No problem. And do you have a family money or personal finance question you need answered? Email us at podcast at DowJones.com. This has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. For more information, check us out at WSJ.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, check us out at WSJ.com slash podcasts. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices.